If you have your Bible, you can be opening it to the Gospel of John. We're going to look at a couple of passages there and then later a couple of passages in the Gospel of Luke. Well, are you ready for Thanksgiving? Doesn't sound optimistic at all. Are you ready for Thanksgiving? All right, you got plans already? You know who you're going to be spending it with? Well, I pray you have a great time. I want to talk about Thanksgiving a little bit this morning. Um, There's a woman named Lois who worked at a nursing home. She worked the night shift. And every morning when she would get off work, she was replaced by a co-worker who had one of these really you know, outgoing, bubbly personalities. And she was always talking about how thankful she was. She was thankful for this. She was thankful for that. She was just very positive and, and always uh, thankful for the things in her life and the blessings of of, of God. And one particular evening, while Lois was at work, there was a, a terrible ice storm. There was snow, ice, it was really bad out. And the following morning, she was surprised when her co-worker showed up to work. And they were talking about it, and, and the woman said, well, I only live two blocks away, and so I, I took my time and walked. And there were times I, you know, got on my hands and knees and crawled up the hill, and here I am, I'm so thankful And Lois said, what in the world is there about crawling up a hill in ice and snow at 6 o'clock in the morning that would make you thankful? And the woman said, it was dark outside so nobody could see me. (laughs) So the way you look at things has a big impact, influence on, on, on your attitude. It really does has a major influence on your disposition, and I think it is in some ways directly related to the depth of your relationship with Christ and how much you are allowing him to work in you to make you a different person. As a follower of Christ, remember disciples, we're disciples. A disciple is somebody who follows Jesus, is being transformed by Jesus and on mission with Jesus. So if we're being transformed by Jesus because we're his disciples and we're following him, it means we're becoming more like him. Do you know that there's actually a berry, it's called by different names, and I won't try to pronounce the scientific name, but it grows on a shrub originally in western Africa, and it can get anywhere up to, say, 10, 12 feet tall in that part of the country and that that red berry when you eat part of it it's interesting it's not all that sweet it has a little bit of sugar and it's kind of a almost like a sweet sour taste to it but when you eat it it coats your tongue and the result is that anything you eat afterward for the next several minutes that is sour tasting tastes sweet so you could eat lemons and like it (laughs) I just thought that was interesting how it can, you know, coat your taste buds and change how you perceive, how you taste sour things. They taste sweet. Well, that's what having a, a disposition, a heart, an attitude that, that, that looks for the good, that sees the blessings, that is positive and gives thanks to Christ and is appreciative and thankful to other people, has a similar effect on us. It makes a difference in how we deal with the sour things in life. Do you you remember uh, this year, each month, we're memorizing a different Bible verse about Jesus Christ. And our very first verse in, in January, Colossians. Let's do a little refresher. 
Now, put your hands over your eyes. How many of you remember that already? No? Okay, well, you can look at the screen. All right, here we go. Ready to say it? Whatever. Now, notice the last part of that, giving thanks, giving thanks. And notice, whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do, give thanks, give thanks. God tells us to have that kind of approach to life. So this morning, what I want to do is something a little different. I want to look at the instances, the, the times in the Gospels when Jesus expressed thankfulness. When Jesus said thank you to his Father, to God the Father. And see what we can learn about this whole, this whole issue of being thankful and the way it influences us and helps us in life as well as helps us be obedient to what God tells us we're supposed to do. So let's look at when Jesus did it. Uh, there's, there's four instances in the Gospels that very explicitly we see the word I give thanks or something along those lines coming from the the mouth of Jesus when he was praying and talking to the Heavenly Father. And uh, I want you to help me. We're going to look at each of those four instances, and I want you to help me figure out in each one what was Jesus giving thanks for, okay? So as we look at each story and each, each thing Jesus said, you tell me, you help me, you answer in your own mind, you say out to me when it's time, this is what Jesus was thankful for. Let's figure it out together and see what we can learn. And so if you have your Bible, the first one is in John chapter 6. And most of you are familiar with this story. Jesus is teaching. He's on the, the other side of the, the Sea of Galilee. He's in a remote area. And this huge crowd comes to, to Jesus Christ. And he, he feeds them. You, you remember the story? It's when they sit down in the grass and count, there's 5,000 men, which means there was probably more people than that because it just says there's 5,000 men. And the likelihood is there were some women and children in the group. And they don't have enough money to buy food to feed all of them. There's no businesses nearby. They can buy enough food to feed that larger crowd. And people are hungry. And the little boy is there. Remember this you know, five loaves of bread. And that's not like going to the grocery store and buying a loaf of bread. That's a little piece of bread that you would carry in your pouch for personal eating during the day. And so there were five pieces of bread, basically, and two fish. And by the way, those fish are small. They're not like the, you know, the 18-inch smallmouth my brother caught last week. They're small. They're little, they're little bitty things, okay? And that's all there was. And Jesus, you remember, he multiplies them. And feeds that mass of people, and when it's done, they collect leftovers. Remember the story? But notice what Jesus did just before he distributed the food to them in John's gospel. Look at chapter 6. I'll show you the verse here on the screen. If you've got your Bibles open, it's verse 11. But notice what he, what he did. He took the loaves. Notice what it says. Having given thanks. Having given thanks, he distributed those. He, he, he passed it out to everybody, but he gave thanks and he did the same thing with the fish so he thanked god for that those five pieces of bread and he, he thanked god for those two fishes so here's the question what was jesus giving thanks for what was he what was he thankful for what do you think hmm? just tell me something what do you think he was thankful for yeah I speak louder I, I don't hear well how bountiful well this is before they were multiplied 
When he gave the thanks, there was only the five pieces and the two, pe- two fish. What was he thankful for? That he knew God could change, that God could multiply, be bountiful, that God could change it? We're not told, so your answer is as good as my answer, okay? About the, oh, wow, that's good, Bert. Thankful for the 5,000 people who were there. Thankful for what he believed or what he taught. He knew what God was capable of. Yeah, so here, but here, here he's giving thanks for the food. I think it's all of that. He, he also was thankful for the food. I mean, sometimes we look at what we don't have and are not thankful for what we do have. And, and rather than complaining about what was not, Jesus gave thanks for what was because God can do a lot with what is if we submit it to him, correct? But you see here the, the attitude and, that he had, and behind it was this knowledge that God could multiply, thankful for the people. All of, all of that is, is, is true. I think he was, all, he was thankful for the provision. Here's a little boy that had something, and he made it available, thankful for that. Thankful for that little boy's generosity. I think Jesus was thankful for the opportunity to care for that crowd of people and, and help help them. Do you, do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6? He talked about uh, uh, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body as to what you will put on, talking about clothing. And he, he said, because he says there is, is not your life more than food and your body more than clothing. Yet we worry about these things all the time, right? We worry about the basics. And Jesus said, don't worry about the basics. He had this attitude of being thankful. He said, you know, look, look at the birds of the air. They, they, don't, they don't plant and they don't, they don't, reap and they don't gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not worth much more than than they and who of you but being worried can add a single hour to his life why do you worry about clothing observe the how the lilies of the field grow remember what he said the old King James, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself as one of these. And if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Don't be worried then, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for clothing? Because the Gentiles, the unbelievers, eagerly seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. But seek first what? His kingdom. And his what? His righteousness. And all these things will what? See, I think... Jesus was teaching his disciples and teaching those 5,000 and teaching you and me, teaching all of his followers the lesson. There's all this stuff that we work because we want, we want more. And God says, be thankful for what, the, for what God's already provided you. 
Because if you're not thankful for that, you're probably not going to seek everything that's in his will and plan for your life the way you, the way you could. So be thankful for God's provision and God's ability to take care of you and the privilege to know him and be part of his kingdom. That's the first example. Now the second example is found in, in, in John chapter John chapter 11, and it's when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. You remember that he was close to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, these brothers, the, the, these two sisters and brother, <clears throat> lived in Bethany just outside of Jerusalem. He'd been in their home different times. While he was on a preaching mission with his disciples, Lazarus was sick. They sent word to Jesus. By the time Jesus got there, Lazarus was dead and already buried three days and Remember the sisters come out to meet Jesus and they're grieving and he comforts them and speaks to them and they make their way to the grave, to the, to the, to the tomb and the rock is in front of it. You know, he, he's buried and it's sealed and, and uh, he tells them to roll the stone away and then Jesus speaks and says, Lazarus, come forth. Isn't it going to be a great day in the future when we hear the archangel and, and, and the trumpet and we come forth? And Lazarus got up and he walked out of that, that grave. But, but, in the, but when Jesus is standing there in front of that tomb, seeing Mary and Martha weep, and in fact, John, uh, he tells us that in, in chapter 11, I think it's verse 35, that Jesus also was wept at one point. He was so heartbroken by, what he, by the grief of the family. And before, before he commanded Lazarus to come forth, Jesus prayed and gave thanks. So let's look at this verse here in John chapter 11. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. Oh, back, back. I was wrong. I was blind. You were right. I was wrong. I apologize. There you go. Verse 41. So they removed the stone, and then what happened? Before he told Lazarus to come out, Jesus raised his eyes, looked up to heaven. By the way, the typical, the most common way a Jew would pray is they would stand when they prayed. Sometimes they would kneel. Sometimes they would be prostrate on the ground. But uh, most of the time they would stand and look up when they prayed. Uh, The custom doesn't really matter. That was their custom. And so he raised his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have what? So what is Jesus thankful for? Huh? God, his father is listening, hears him, right? He's very explicit in this example what he's thankful for. Now, I imagine there were other things because earlier in the story, Jesus told his disciples when, when um, he, he, he said very clearly to them that Lazarus is dead. He said, but I'm glad for your sake that he's dead so you can see what God's getting ready to do. That's, the, that's my paraphrase of it. So there's a lot that he's thankful for. But here, very explicitly, thankful that the Father heard his prayers. You, do, you, do you ever feel like God doesn't hear your prayers? Now, the truth is he always hears them. He doesn't always answer them when you want in your time. He doesn't always answer them the way you want. But he always hears them. And think about what a privilege it is. I mean, how many of you, if you wanted to, could get in your car this afternoon, drive all the way to Washington, D.C., get through security, make your way into the White House, go into the Oval Office and speak to the president? Hmm? You'd be in jail. 
But when it comes to the, to, to the God of the universe, the King of glory, the one who created all that is, the one who sits on the throne and will judge every human being, the one who is the eternal one, every time you pray, you enter his presence. And that's worth being thankful for, don't you think? Jesus in Matthew 7, you remember what he said? He said, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Be thankful that, that God hears you, that God is with you always. All right, here's the third instance when Jesus expressed Thanksgiving, it's in Luke's gospel, chapter 10, when he sent the 70 out. You remember Jesus had many followers. Of course, he had the 12 who were the most intimate. And even within that, the inner circle of the three, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then he had the 12. And he had others. And and, and so here's one occasion when he took 70 of his disciples, 70 of his followers, and he put them in groups of two. And he sent them out to different villages and towns to preach. When they came back, they were all excited because God had done amazing things. People had believed. People had been healed. The response was overwhelming, and they were all excited. I mean, I mean, they, they had not seen anything like that before, and so they come back to Jesus, and they're debriefing. They're all together, and they're excited, and Jesus talks to them, and he, and, and, and he teaches them some lessons. But in the midst of it, I love this verse, verse 21 of chapter 10. Look at it. Verse 21, he said, At that very time, what did Jesus do? He rejoiced how? Do you think Jesus ever got really happy? Huh? What does that say? That's that's the the New Testament way of saying he, he clapped and jumped and said, wow. He was excited. He was happy. He rejoiced greatly. And the Holy Spirit was, was, was blessing him. And he said, I praise you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden. Notice this. Now, you have hidden these things. What's these things? The things that the disciples, the 70, had preached when they went out. You've hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. And yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. So what is Jesus thankful for here? What's some ideas? What was what, what, he thankful What does that mean? Y'all tell me. Preach to me for a minute. What's Jesus thankful for? Come on. Re- reg- Jesus likes regular people? Brand new Christians. What else? Yeah, God, as they taught, the Holy Spirit worked and demonstrated the power of God in changing lives to the people. Yeah, what else? Come on, what's, what's he thankful for? Okay, praising him because he's God, Lord of everything. I mean, think about this. He, I think he's I think he's thankful for many things. He's thankful for the 70 being faithful and doing. They went. They, they didn't chicken out. They went and they preached and they talked to people. He was thankful for that. He was thankful for the response, the positive response. He was thankful for the changed lives and the people who were healed and helped. This, the display of God's power. All, all those things. I think he's also thankful that... Uh, that God can speak to and God can use average people. You don't have to have a Ph.D. from Harvard 
to be something in the kingdom of God. Nothing wrong with having a Ph.D. from Harvard, but you don't have to have that. That God is not dependent on any particular group of people. God's not dependent on the most educated. God's not dependent on the most experienced. God's not dependent on the most whatever. God God can work in the life of anybody. God can use anybody in his kingdom. And and I think Jesus was just thankful for all of this. And, And brothers and sisters, part of that means that God can use you. How many times have you used the excuse, well, you know, I can't memorize scripture, so God can't use me. I can't understand the Bible, so God can't use me. I'm not as talented as, as he is. I can't talk or sing like she does. I, I don't have any gifts. How many times have you made all these excuses for why God can't use you because you say, you know, I'm just common. And the 70 who went out were just common. And Jesus was greatly rejoicing because God doesn't need the geniuses of the world to change the world. He just needs us to be available and obedient. God can use you. And I think that makes God glad, makes him happy, makes him makes him uh, thankful. And there's one more thing. that re- When I read this the other day, you know what, what thought came to my mind? It's this. Jesus is thankful for people who are teachable. Because sometimes the wise and intelligent are not teachable because they already know it all. And the wise and intelligent are not just the Harvard PhDs. There may be a few in this room here because you think you know everything and you don't need to learn anything else when it comes to the things of God. You've arrived. You're above those others. <laughs> God says, nah, you're not. God is thankful for people who are teachable because if you're no longer teachable, you're proud. God is thankful for people who are teachable. Brothers and sisters, as long as your brain works and you have breath in your body, be teachable. Jesus loves people like that. He's thankful for people like that. Matthew 7, 24, when Jesus talks about building your life on a solid foundation like you build a house on a solid foundation to set that up, Jesus said the the person, the man who hears the person, the one who hears these words of mine and acts on them, obeys them, is teachable, shall be compared to a what? Wise man. See, the wise man isn't the one who knows it all. The wise man is the one who hears from Jesus and obeys, who is still teachable. And Jesus is thankful for disciples like that. All right. The fourth and final instance when Jesus expressed thanksgiving is found in Luke chapter 22. It's the evening of his arrest. The following morning he'll be crucified. Meets with his disciples, his 12 disciples in an upper room, and they observe the Jewish Passover. It's their last meal together. And sometime that evening while he's teaching them, he institutes what we refer to as the Lord's Supper. He gives them bread to eat and wine to drink, a symbol of his body that's going to be broken and beaten and 
and his blood that's going to be shed and make atonement for our sin. And I want you to notice that in Luke 22, when he gave them the elements, starting in verse verse 17, that it, that it says he, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, then he gave it to them. And then if you drop down to verse 19, he took some bread, when he did that, and, and he had given thanks. So here he gives thanks just like we do when we observe the Lord's Supper. He gave thanks before distributing the bread to them, and he gave thanks before distributing the cup of wine to them, the picture of his body, the picture of his blood. And so I ask you, because we're not explicitly told here, so I'm asking you, what do you think? What was Jesus thankful for? Hmm? What was he thankful for? Give, to give God glory for anything in particular? Okay, what'd you say? Eternal life for us? Okay. What was Jesus thankful for? Huh? His body? I think he was thankful for a lot of things. I believe he was thankful just to have that supper with him one last time. In fact, elsewhere in the Gospels, Jesus said he longed to have this, have this supper with them. I think he was thankful for this one last opportunity to have them all together and share a meal together. I think he was thankful for that. I think he was thankful for other things as, as well. Um, I do think Jesus was, was thankful for what was going to happen because of his suffering. I don't think he was thankful that he was going to hurt. We know that from the, the, the prayer in the garden. He didn't want to hurt. He didn't want to die. But he was thankful for the opportunity to do the will of God. He was willing, right? And, and I think he was thankful for the salvation and forgiveness that would come to us. I think, I think Jesus, because earlier, earlier during, the, during that night together when he was teaching them in John's gospel, we're told that Jesus talked about us. He talked to the disciples about all who would believe on him through them and beyond them and after them, which is us. And I, I can envision that evening that Jesus could envision you and me. And that when he gave thanks for that bread and that blood and for his suffering and part, he was being thankful that it, that it wasn't for nothing, but it was for humanity, that it was for us, it was for me, and it was for you. And, and he was thankful for that. How thankful are you this Thanksgiving for what Jesus did for you? Or have you had salvation and experienced forgiveness and, and been a follower of Christ for so long, for so many years, through so many ups and downs that it's, yeah, I, I'm saved, yeah. It's become commonplace. We've taken what is holy, what is holy, and allowed it to become commonplace. How thankful are we? How thankful are you? You know, there's a theme. There's a theme that's pretty common in these instances of Jesus being thankful. Have you picked up on what it is? That in just about all of these instances, Jesus was being thankful at a time when other people were being helped. The feeding the 5,000. The dying for our salvation. The 70 coming back and 
all the people who had been healed and who had been saved through their ministry. The joy that Mary and Martha would experience when their brother Lazarus came back from from the dead. And, And all of these, part of his thanksgiving was because he had the privilege of helping others, of serving others. And the more you look in the mirror, the less joy, the less gratitude, the more you look out the window toward others, the greater the joy and the greater the gratitude. When you understand that as a disciple, a disciple, a disciple, I am a follower of Jesus, being transformed by Jesus and on mission with Jesus. That my life is about the kingdom of God, seeking his kingdom and his righteousness first. That my life is about the betterment of this world and the salvation of the lost. When I get that, when I get that, it changes us. And when you don't, you frown a lot. And you miss you miss the joy that God has for you. Because God doesn't want you spending all your days looking in the mirror. He wants you looking out the windows. You'll be surprised what it will do for you and your disposition and your, your heart. So express your gratitude to God. Express your gratitude to other people. Don't be a complainer. Don't be a negative, you know, nabob. Just... In 1860, in the fall of that year, there was a a steamship, a large one, the Lady Elgin on Lake Michigan. Carried a lot of people. It was just a little bit, it was over 200 feet long. I forget exactly. I think 240-some feet long. So it was a pretty good-sized ship. And um, one day it uh, was carrying passengers kind of for a sightseeing tour uh, from Milwaukee to Chicago and back. And on the trip back from Chicago to Milwaukee, it was, it was during the, the, the night. It was going to take them all night. And, and they encountered a severe storm with thunder and lightning and heavy rain and strong winds and waves. And, and uh, in the darkness, there was this small schooner, this, this, this smaller boat that didn't have lights and rammed into to, to that ship. And the smaller one didn't have any damage and kept going. That one, though, had a break just near the water line. And they thought it was going to be okay at first, but it really wasn't. It took on water and within 20 minutes or so broke apart and, and it sank. There were about 400 people on board that day. Middle of the night. It's cold and it's a storm, windy, rainy, thunder, lightning. And... Um, I think it was about 18 people made it in two different lifeboats. The rest, when the ship broke apart, were in the water, and they either drowned or they were hanging on to some kind of, you know, some piece of debris to survive. Nine miles off the coast out in, out in Lake Michigan in that cold, cold fall water. And um, when daybreak came, 
the rowboats, the, the lifeboats have made their way to shore. And, and um, some students at Northwestern University in a little Bible college located uh, near there uh, in the Evanston area uh, started helping survivors and looking for bodies there on the bank. And, and um, there happened to be one student there named Edward Spencer. He was a student at Northwestern University. And he was a really good swimmer. And he started swimming out to help people because a lot of people who survived and with, with the hanging on to the, to the debris floated toward, toward the coast. As they got there, some of them died. In fact, the captain made it there, and he died because the waves would throw them against the rocks just out in the water. The, you know, and then they, they couldn't make it all the way to land. So he started swimming out and helping people. And over the next several hours, he helped 17 people make it to safety. But during that, he was injured. He was hurt. And he also experienced exhaustion, ended up in the, in the hospital. As a result of his, of his exertion and a result of the injury that he endured, um, he would spend the rest of his life in a wheelchair. He would live to be in his 80s, and the next slide is a picture of him when uh, he, a few years before he died, when he returned to Evanston, Illinois, for a, a, a ceremony remembering that shipwreck and those who survived. And there was a reporter who asked him what he remembered about that evening, that, that morning when he was saving those people. Now think about this. Um, he saved 17 people. Only 98 of over 400 survived. And he personally saved 17 of them. And so this reporter asked him what he remembered about that event. He started to cry. With a tinge of bitterness in his voice, he said the thing he remembered was that not one of the 17 ever came back to him to say thank you. Do you need to spend some time saying thank you to Jesus Christ? Would it be good if you spent some time saying thank you to the people in your life? Would it be good this Thanksgiving week if every time you start to say something negative or critical or biting or sarcastic, you stop and instead say something positive and kind and affirming and thankful? Do you think that would make things go a little better? Do you think that would put a smile on the face of, of Jesus Christ? Do, do you think that would mean that you might resemble him a little bit more than you do right now? See, expressing thanksgiving is a good thing. It'll make you a better person. It will make you a better disciple of Jesus Christ. Let's stand and sing our hymn of invitation. And while we sing, you're encouraged to make your way to the altar to kneel and pray.
Brother Jamie is here. I'm going to be here. If you'd like to join First Baptist, you're welcome to come and do that. We invite you to do that right now. Come and pray about anything. Come and join the church. Come and give your heart to Christ. But maybe to say thank you to your loved one who's beside you, grab their hand and squeeze it, and then let that squeeze be a a way of saying, I am thankful for you. And then take the day and actually use your mouth and say it to some people. Let's sing together, you come.